Welcome to Indie Game Business, where you'll learn to navigate the industry with ease. This show is produced by the Powell Group, the leading business consulting firm in the gaming industry. Visit us online at IndieGame.Business to learn about our online digital events. We have some amazing sessions with people in the gaming industry, and you can participate for free and purchase inexpensive passes to our industry-leading business-to-business system. Now, here we go, Indie Game Business. What's up, everybody? My name is Indy, and the gentleman next to me is Jay Powell. It depends. And welcome to Indie Game Business. <laughs> Today, we've got Klaus from Representing Games, and we're talking about preparing for a conference. Is there a conference coming up? Conference when looking for a publisher. Is there is there some kind of conference coming up? Could be. Maybe. I want to thank our sponsor, Tripwire Presents. And we do have that... Uh, Indie Game Business Conference coming up here in yeah. Sorry, um, Klaus's boss is like messaging me in the middle of all this right as we go live. So Klaus's bear, boss, bear with me for a second. <laughs> Typical Fedor. Yeah. Exactly. Um, yes, uh, conference coming up eighth and ninth of. No, I was going to say December, March. It's been one of those weeks, um, and we've already got like a wonderful group of publishers and developers that are going to be there so if you want to pitch before gdc to open up your gdc calendar a little bit or you want to just pitch because you don't want to go to gdc or you can't get to gdc it's all there yes so welcome (laughs) (laughs) Welcome. i don't throw off my entire like first start here why would you do that boss uh we have uh, my my good friend Klaus, who I like to refer to as Patient Zero, because every time I go ah. to a conference with him, I get sick. And if ah. I'm not with him, I come home fine. So, um, mm. Klaus, tell us a little bit about how you got into the industry and then walk us through what you do, what you've done in your career so far. Yeah. And tell them what you do now. All right. Well, I, I would say I would start with uh, the. The fact that I'm class, I'm from the Netherlands, by the way. Um, I started my professional career as a, well, officer, sort of, uh, in the Royal Military Academy, where I spent four years trying to become an officer in the Dutch infantry. Um, but I, it took me four years to realize that that wasn't uh, what I wanted to be in the end. So I, I want to know how you become sort of an officer. Well, basically, I was almost there. Uh, and and that's when I decided I didn't want to be it anymore. So um, basically, you go up in the ranks when you are at the Royal Military Academy, and then once you are finished, you're officially officially an, an officer, no longer like a officer cadet, you call that. Uh, so that's when you turn into a uh, 
yeah, a real officer. So I wasn't a real officer yet. Let's put it that way. Um, and then and then I decided I, I want to do something else, but I didn't know what. So uh, I didn't know what role would fit me. So I thought, okay, what do I really like in life? And that's video games. I always watched the, the conference back in the day. Uh, the E3s, you know it. Um, and, and, and I decided to put my next career in that direction and just figure out where I would end up. So I... Uh, did basically everything in, in after that, trying to figure out how to get there. I did another bachelor uh, in marketing sales and account management. And I did an internship at the Dutch Game Garden in uh, in, in the Netherlands, which is like an incubator where I did a, uh, a role uh, related to also business development. And I did my own uh, minor entrepreneurship where I started my own company as an agent, uh, which well, after six months, I realized, okay, this is not something I want to do with these kind of people. But I learned a lot, met a lot of interesting people. And that's when I also got in contact with Fedor, the boss that just interrupted us. And uh, he basically reached out to me, hey, we need some help over here at uh, Meet to Match. Um, and Meet to Match asked me to, to join in. And that's when I started working at, at Meet to Match. Um, back then, there was no representing games yet. And representing games is a, a company born out of Meet to Match. So... Yeah, that's where my my professional career would have would really have started. I would say in the in the video games industry. Um, yeah, that's about it. All right, and so for everyone, what do you do now? Everybody? What do I do now? Yes. Yeah, why, so... why are you qualified to come on here and answer mm -hmm. questions? Yeah. So basically, um, what do we do now? Is mostly. We are like the colleague that you might need uh, in terms of uh, you might need some help with with finding publishers, finding conferences, working on your pitch deck, working on your materials. And you might need some help doing the legwork, doing that or reaching out to the right people uh, in that case. So we work mostly with we are an agent, uh, uh, as you can imagine, with me to match. I think most people are familiar with me to match. We have been working with events for the past 14 years. We knew a lot of interesting people uh, there and people started reaching out to us with the question like, hey, you seem to be well connected. That I need some help with finding the right connections, and 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 that's basically the side activity that started representing games. And and last year we rebranded that to that new brand, representing games, which is now a standalone thing, um, where we either work directly with developers, help them with finding publishers and investors, but ahead of that process we help them with improving on their pitch materials and provide our business perspective and our market knowledge about uh, about their game. We also work with some publishers where we work on the scouting side or help them with finding like an external development company that can help them with uh, making a sequel of a game they, they own. Uh, or we work with a lot of governments and acceleration programs where we basically do what we do with developers, but more in like a, a program uh, kind of thing where we provide like lectures and one-on-one -on -one sessions and then set up a whole connection program, sometimes standalone, sometimes ahead of a big event that's coming up. Uh, but in in in... The, the shortest way to put it is that we are like a connection-focused agency where we help people bring A and B together uh, and join in your company as sort of a colleague to do the legwork for you, uh, where you might need some help, outside help, uh, either because you don't have the right connections or maybe it's because you don't have the time. Uh, it can be all kinds of reasons, but uh, that's more or less what we do. All right. So now that everything has gotten back into the swing of live events mm -hmm. you know, for, for better or for worse yeah, the biggest question between all the online events and all the mm. uh, offline live events because there's tons of them back in the mix now it's which one should i go to so when it comes to deciding and choosing between all the different options out there yeah how should the developer go about you know figuring out which one to do well, I think 
assuming that that money and time are uh, limited things right so um i i, I would focus on on first of all look at what is your current goal when you would go to an event if if it's mostly about okay do you think you are really ready to to potentially hunt that deal down then definitely focus on finding the place where most of the potential publishers and investors might be uh but if you are more also oriented at looking at okay i want to get a feedback i want to build relations then maybe start at a smaller one um but in, in general, I would say if the best thing to do is to go to on-site events, definitely. But the good thing about online events is that you can do them all the time. You can do them while you're doing other stuff during the day as well. Um, so if your time is limited and your um, maybe your schedule is limited in terms of the first other event that might come up, it's is, is hard to reach out uh, to go to. Uh, maybe an online event might be the right choice for you, especially in a case like a GDC that's coming up. I would definitely say go to like it's not to to, to do sales for you, Jay, but definitely go to an uh, IGBS uh, upcoming event simply to use it as a practice. Maybe maybe meet already meet some people there that you then can personally meet and go to the next step with in, in GDC. Um, so. I would say go to the big events mostly to find a quantity of, of people to speak with. But if you really want to build relationships, go to the smaller events, but still the on-site events. That's more or less. Like yeah, and, and that's yeah. definitely. And the other thing is GDC is so expensive. I mean, mm. we ran the numbers several years ago, pre-COVID. And yeah. if you were to go and get the full access pass, you could go to all the conferences, all, all the sessions and flights to San Francisco and hotels and eating there where you know bacon and eggs for breakfast is going to cost you 15 dollars yeah you're looking at it close to 10 grand and mm -hmm. so it's it gets very very expensive but yeah Klaus is right i mean the, the bigger ones everybody's going to be there but you're also got to keep in mind that some of these people and the publishers and the scouts are looking at a new game every half hour for five days straight definitely so, I, I don't think you will you will always get their full attention and, oh, and no, especially if you're if you are at a stage where you might be one of those games that they are hesitant to accept a meeting from, then uh, they might say no at a GDC, but they might say yes at a, at a smaller conference when they have a bit more time. So that's the perfect place to actually build that relationship with them and, and to figure out, to gather feedback from them. While at GDC, you probably have to take into account that you only have like effectively 15 minutes with them or something like that. So there's very little time to actually build that relationship maybe later during the day if you run across them during the whole week but uh, uh yeah in general gdc is about quantity i would say yes and, and it's about being seen and socializing and and that sort of stuff but yeah, yeah. I mean, it's very very easy to get get your feet wet test out your pitch do that sort of stuff in a online event then then go to gdc um but the other side of it is yeah the, the regional size events are perfect it's like i love going to like nordic and some of the other like mid-size events because yes there's a lot of people there but it's also not so many people there that you're running all over downtown san francisco trying to find your next meeting um what about when it comes to b2b conferences like gdc gdc and gamescom versus b2c where like a pax or <laughs> The other side of Gamescom. Mm -hmm. Where should you put your priorities on that sort of stuff? Well, 
I, I would say that if you are mainly looking to to gather feedback um, and you want to gather feedback or test out if people like your game at all, maybe that's the place to go to like a more consumer-focused event. But if you go to a consumer-focused event, yes, there will be publishers, but you will be standing there hope to in, in the hope that they will basically show up to you to see if they want to meet or are, are interested in your game at all. But if you really are looking for a publisher and, and that might be your focus, then I, I would recommend going to a more business focused event that actually has like a whole platform surrounding it and set to set up meetings easily with each other. Uh, PAX is great. I always hear great stories from publishers that they really like to go to PAX, but from the developer's perspective, and I don't have any personal experience, but I, I would say you're quite um, uh, unsure there that you are just waiting all day in the hope that someone shows up. That That's what it feels like for from the outside at least. I got it. All right, so you decided what conference you're going to. We've mm -hmm. obviously just released our 2023 publisher list. So that's got 500-some publishers in it broken down by yeah. platform. So if you don't have that yet, go get it. It's at either indiegame.business or powellgroupconsulting.com. How do you even start going and looking at 500-some-plus publishers and figuring out who to you know, get a meeting with? Mm-hmm. Well, um, I think there are two approaches you can you can take that for that. I would say there is the first approach is make a, a list of the priority targets that you that you have in mind. Um, so basically, take a look at uh, the the genre you're in. Uh, take a look at similar games on other aspects than genre. Take a look at the 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 the, the budget range you're in. Take a look at the um, what how do you call that? Um, the, the the type of game in terms of multiplayer, single player, stuff like that. Basically figure out what games are more or less similar or have other similarities than your game and figure out if there are any publishers there that you think seem to be well fitting with what, what you made. So simply look up games on Steam, look up games on other stores, find out we publish them and, and, and take a look. Uh, and then from the other way around, you can take a look at your list of publishers or other places where you can find publishers and chase it from the other way back to figure out, okay, what did they make? Is that something that could potentially fit with me? So that's, I think, the way to make your, like, your priority list. Um, but outside of that, we personally always recommend uh, be open to everyone. So uh, there are some blockers, though, I would say. If you are developing for PC console, don't reach out to a mobile publisher. If you're primarily focused on making premium games, don't reach out to a free-to-play focused publisher. And, and if you're... Um, Primarily focused on like, okay, let's say you're making a Walsome game. Don't reach out to a publisher that's making horror games. But outside of that, I would say most of the time you can basically try out everyone uh, that you can find. And and the way to find them is your list. The way to find them is the meet to match platform that we are working on. Uh, that basically log into an event, find uh, if it's some sort of B2B component, you can just figure out who is attending a certain event and, and check what they're making, check what they're looking for. Uh, and, and figure out if there might be a fit. So basically, first make your list of priorities, and then if you have time left, figure out who you can, uh, with who else you can basically fill in the spots, I would say. Uh, it, it doesn't have to be that hard. Uh, but if you still need some outside help, then there's always an agency that might be able to help you with it. So if you, the meet and match system goes a step further than what we do on the, on mm -hmm. the list, because when you go into that, you can easily just pull up and say, you know, if you need a million dollars for your project, you know, yeah. the publishers that are listed in there will say, we're only funding up to 600,000 mm -hmm. or 700,000. So it's another way to hone down your, hone down your list. But on the flip side as well, 
it's a lot easier to just send a simple request to a publisher that way through the system and either get a yes or a no. If you get a no, that's not a bad thing. Yeah, you know, why not that's ask just them, helping right? you narrow down what you've got so far. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I always think like, okay, maybe unless there's like a very specific reason to not want to meet with a publisher, I would say, why not try it out? Just And if you still have 30 minutes left somewhere in the conference, figure out if, if there might be worth your time. Just have a um a short conversation with them they might be they might not be useful for your current project but they might be for your next one right so uh, i definitely would say just have as many meetings as you can while of course make sure that you still have some time when you for your for yourself to basically eat something during the day have a drink or or just clear your mind or stuff like that but otherwise just meet 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 i would say all right so what should you go about if the publishers aren't exactly the specific ones that you're looking for? Should you be also looking around? It's like, okay, this one might be an option or this one mm -hmm. might not be an option. So, so sorry. So what, what was your question again? So if you, I, I there was also a question on the, on screen. So it, it ran in between each other. Sorry. Oh, so if you, yeah, don't, don't worry about the question on the screen. They'll take care of that. Um, so if you are looking at the publishers and yeah. you're either on our list or the meet the match system mm. and the publisher is not an exact fit. Yeah. How far away, you know, from a good fit should you be looking? You know, we talk about genre adjacent all the time, but yeah, well, I, I would say, I would say just start, start with the, the most perfect fit and then basically go wider and wider until you're out of time or slots to fill. Um, but um, I wouldn't, like I mentioned, I think that the four biggest parts for me are to basically not make it worth your time at all. If it's like the, the platforms are not, they never published anything on your platform. So they're probably not interested in it and they are not worth your time as well. It's about, it's a two way thing, right? So, um, uh, the, the platform is one. If the budgets they're interested in, interested in and they don't mention that in your list, maybe, but, but often they mention it on a meet-to-match platform. If that's too far off from what you are making, then probably it's either they are only interested in very big budget things or in smaller things than, than you are making. So that's probably not worth anyone's time. Um, like I mentioned, business model is very important. Free-to-pay publishers and, and non-free-to-play publishers tend to be split. Uh, and like I mentioned, if there is like a, a very thematic publisher that's very much into horror very much into wholesome games very much into games with a with a with a message in there something like that if they're really clearly mentioned that in their uh, profile then probably it's not worth reaching out either because that will only like make them think okay why they didn't do any, any research at all why is he this guy reaching out to me um so but outside of that i would say start with the best fit and then just go wider all right so Let's say you're not in the meet to match platform or you're going mm. to somewhere and like Dice is a good example. Yeah. Next week. Dice apparently has a meeting system. I've never used it, but it's also $3,000 to get a ticket to go to it. Mm -hmm. How do you go about finding and, and reaching out to publishers if you're not already in a meeting system? Yeah. So basically uh your list is a good starting point uh store pages are a good starting point um just use your colleagues as well use industry friends use people you know ask them around uh, and once you have established like a list of publishers to reach out to i would basically look up twitter look up linkedin uh definitely rec recommend linkedin here um and, and figure out if you can find a contact um first most of the publishers would have like a general 
uh, contact point, contact email on their website as well. But if you can find some a specific person that's like called business developer or a scout or uh, head of content or stuff like that, they probably are the right person to reach out to instead of the, the gem, more general pitching uh, email address where you might end up on a big pile. So it's all about figuring out their emails or their LinkedIn profiles or their Twitter DM places and, and, and reaching out to those, those specific channels. For us, it's a bit easier because we have so many years of experience that we have like a whole CRM system with everyone in there, but everyone needs to build one up from the start, of course. Uh, and, and that's the way you should do it. And there are all kinds of tools to figure out how to reach out uh, uh, better if you might find a profile, but you can't find, I don't know, their LinkedIn or find their uh, email address or whatsoever. There are tools to help out with that. Like which ones? Mm, I don't know, Rocket Reach, but that's expensive. Uh, a Get Prospect uh, that is, provides like 800 free emails a month. So uh, there are a lot of those uh, similar tools, I would say, that uh, just Google email finder and you will find something. I think the one that we've used in the past is Foxit or something. Okay. Yeah. But we've also used MailTester. MailTester is good if you think you know the right email address, but not quite. Um, that's when that one gets a little more useful. All right. So good question, since we're talking about reaching out to publishers anyway. Mm -hmm. From General Soundwave on YouTube, publishers aren't the easiest people to get a hold of. Even if there are B2B developer roles, they rarely return emails. How do we get through this? Yeah, I think that's just the hard part, right? Because the a lot of the publishers are extremely busy. They get like, I think even Joshua said it two weeks ago in this podcast, I, my email inbox is a, day, a demon I'm trying to slay every day. So it's most of the publishers receive between 10 and, and maybe 200 pitches a day or a week. I don't know, it, a lot at least. So it's it's very hard for them to provide an, an, an an answer in return, specifically because a lot of them really feel the need. Okay, if I give a reply, I want to give a useful reply, and that takes a lot of time, and then it gets postponed, and then it might not happen at all. Um, and to get a hold of them, it's probably uh, the best thing to do, and that's why the events are important. Is to uh, the smaller events as well. It's it's somehow make sure that you can establish a relationship, but also try different channels. So if you have tried email and you don't get a response, maybe try um linkedin maybe try twitter try find to find them on discord try to find different channels don't spam them but at least like every week or every two weeks you can definitely send them a message especially send something new if you have a new update to share but in general i would say if you have made something amazing and they don't respond then probably uh that, that isn't a fit uh, and if they don't respond and you haven't made something amazing, then maybe that's uh, the last part is the, is the reason. And they're just not interested yet, at least, I would say. Uh, we would like to get a hold of all of them. And, and, and that's why it's much easier when you have a, a brand name. So that's also one of the reasons that we tend to be able to help a lot of people is that with the Meet to Match and the Representing Games brand, we and, and our personal brands is that we reach out to people with with like a name they recognize and a name they basically associate with with quality. Uh, so if we send them an email, we often send something that's worth looking at, uh, while a random uh, developer that's reaching out might end up on a big pile with with all all the others. Uh, um, and that's just simply a, a hard process to get through. Um, so. The easiest tip is to maybe help uh, find some outside help um, and and find other ways to build relationships first, maybe. Yeah, definitely try different channels, but then also make sure you follow up too. That's the thing. Mm -hmm. If someone sends me a submission and they send it once and then I never yeah. hear from them again, yeah. I'm like, 
okay, we're, you know, how, how serious was this? Mm -hmm. um, uh, one more tip, though, in, in that regard is also to make things as easy as possible. So what, what I notice a lot is that um, there's no real call to action in certain uh, emails. So there's not like, okay, I, if you are interested, let's have a meeting or something like that. In, in the end, there is no easy access to certain documents. It's a very, uh, how do you call that in English? So it's basically, well, let's make it, let's call it not clear where they can find more information about you. There is not like a very easy link or people share a link to a, uh, to a folder where you click on it and then you first have to request access or stuff like that. So make it as easy as possible. But everything you share with a publisher, just assume they are incredibly lazy, basically. Assume, yeah. assume they are. And that's not and, a knock on publishers. That's just to make sure your stuff goes yeah. clear. Yeah. Yeah. So make things as clear as possible. Let, let someone else check it if you want, uh, just to make sure that whatever you can do in your email or in your message is like short, concise, easy to understand, easy to navigate. And uh, if you send people a request, hey, do you want to meet me? We don't say like, please let me know a time you're available. Say, share a Calendly link with them or a different thing that basically lets them pick a time whenever it suits them best, because that's also easier. And that, that makes it uh, unneeded for them to basically email back and forth to talk about availability and stuff like that. So whatever you can do to make things easy, that's probably a big plus to get attention from a publisher. I'll always use the Michael Scott, explain it to me like I'm a five-year-old method. Definitely. The Definitely. easier it can be. And that's what I've had people push back over the years. Not so much recently as it was when Calendly first came out. They're like, oh, it's so impersonal. Mm -hmm. and I'm like, yeah, because I want to spend three days bouncing emails back and forth on trying to figure yeah. out. And what happens a, a lot. What I see happen a lot is then they share like three slots that are available over email. And then by the time the other one responds, already two of those slots are filled. And then you get a, a double booking and it just doesn't work. Um, yes. use, use a tool. Use a tool. They're there for a reason. All right. So we're going to talk about how to get ready for a meeting momentarily. Mm. But I want to hit uh, Andre's question here as well. So when you're doing, and this is like whether for your pitch deck or for prepping for a meeting or whatever, how do you find comparable games and how much they sold? Um, basically, there are quite some tools, I would say, that are out there that, that uh, for Steam at least, uh, give you like an estimation based on the amount of reviews. Uh, you can try to dig into like reports about certain games or ask around with industry colleagues if someone you know might know someone that knows someone that can tell you more about it. Um, but it's quite hard, I would say, to find real good estimations on how many, how much games made. Maybe you have some interesting uh, insights on that, uh, Jay? It's it, it's easier on PC than it is. Yeah. PC's pretty easy to get close console a little more difficult but you can typically just base it on whatever the pc side was mm -hmm. mobile is where it gets crazy because then you've got to go in and start buying access to things like data.ai and all of these wonderful platforms that, will, that are basically built for big publishers and yeah. so they cost shitloads of money. I mean, they are just ridiculously expensive. On um, the other hand, I think the, the Google Play Store at least provides like an estimation or a range. Yeah, of, it'll, say, well, it'll say how much, how many times roughly it was mm -hmm. downloaded. And that's really about the best you could do. I mean, yeah. unless you want to go out and either you're getting direct information from friends in the industry who had similar games or you're going out and paying a bunch of money. But the reality is things like Steam Spy and SteamDB and, you know, all those different sites 
those are just as good to use as anything else because that's what we're using on the scouting side. That's what publishers are using on their side. So yeah. one knows there's no concrete answer that you're going to get. But if you're using the same tools they do to do estimations, that's that's perfectly fine. Yeah, you you can like hire a really expensive outside uh, what do you call market research agency or stuff like that. But that's just not worth your money. Most likely. yeah, I mean for an indie team, that's no, that's going to be crazy expensive. And truthfully, some of those are using the exact same tools too. Mm -hmm. So it's like there's only so much access to information that we even have anymore. Yeah, since everything's gone digital, it was much easier back in the day at retail because we just all had MPD reports, but it wasn't. You can't do that anymore. Um, another one with regards to, you know, publishers reaching out to them. So Yo Bob on YouTube says, I get a lot of publishers that contact me through Discord, email, and Twitter. How do I know if they're a good fit? I get offered a 50-50 split most of the time for the publisher just doing marketing and community management. Hmm. I would say 50-50 split if you don't get any development funding. It's kind of... A hard one, but um, but yeah, I don't know. We are not that focused on the negotiation side. So into we 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 when we work de with developers, we most of the time like once the connection is established, we more like turn into a sounding board and hand over control back to the studios themselves. So it's not my expertise per se. But what I would say to figure out if someone is a fit, it's mostly about starting the conversation, of course. That's a, that's a good first part to figure out if someone might fit with you on a personal level. And then afterwards, it, the best thing you can do is talk about talk with people in the industry. Figure out if there are people that published games with them before. Ask them to, their opinion. If their opinion is positive, there's a big chance there might be something in there for you as well. If you don't see any successful games in their lineups, if you don't hear about any positive stories about them, then there might be a, a red flag there that you need to investigate further. Uh, but ask around. I would say that's the best way to do to, 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 yeah, to tackle this. Uh, don't do things on your own. So, Yobab, there's a... We just actually released a couple of online classes that mm. can help, that goes through, hey, this is how you find, this is how you qualify that publisher. Um, give me one second and I will pull uh, here. I'll just do the, do the quick version. Um, in terms of the deal terms, so I've done this a lot for 25 years. 50-50 split and the publisher is just doing marketing and community management is not unheard of. It doesn't mean it's a good deal because it's all going to come down to how good their community management and marketing is. Unfortunately, we are seeing a trend in the last year or so of publishers who go out and sign just a ton of games, like dozens of games but they're not doing funding or they're giving a very minimal amount of funding at all. And then they say, okay, we're going to do community, you know, community management and marketing, but it, it's a situation where they do just a little bit, or they have a set thing that they do. And if the game doesn't take off and start getting traction on your own, they just kind of push the whole thing aside. They're like, okay, well, we're just going to go on to, to something else. Um, and we've seen publishers recently too, you know, come in and say, well, if you get the funding, we'll publish it. You know, we'll here's we're gonna basically sign a distribution agreement. That is a very, very dangerous prospect for a lot of developers unless you already have funding coming in from an outside source. Because at that point, you can't go to another publisher and say, 
hey, I need funding for this game, but you know, this publisher over here already says they're going to distribute it. There's not a single publisher in the world that's going to do that deal. So, you know, a 50-50 split, it is not unheard of. And keep in mind, there is no right answer to this. It's like I've done deals in the last two years where the publisher started out getting 80% of the revenue and then it evened out. And then I've also done them where the developer started getting 80% of the revenue and it evened out. So it's a matter of sitting down and understanding what exactly they're going to do and if it's going to be worth 50%. That yeah, definitely. You want to know their marketing plans before you sign anything in that uh, that region, right? Yeah. <clears throat> and it doesn't have to be the super detailed marketing plan, just, mm -hmm. you know, a high level of something that they're going to commit to, because that's uh, that's actually a really good point, Klaus, because that's something in a deal like that where they're not putting down any money. You want to make sure that the agreement calls out exactly what marketing they're obligated to do. Yeah. Um, yeah, the marketing is also money, sort of, right? Yeah. So it's uh, you want to know the value that's uh, going to provide, and don't, don't, don't. Uh, what I said, uh, saw in the past is that like a, a game that had a publisher that, uh, or basically a, a, an agreement with some form of an investment uh, marketing agency kind of thing, and they basically signed a deal that they would provide 300k in ex worth of exposure because they get like a, uh, a short snippet inside of a movie that was released. And that movie did very, very, very bad. Uh, so there was like no exposure at all, basically, and that's and and they signed off revenue for that. So be be, be careful, I would say, about those kind of sketchy sounding deals. Um, but you mentioned something like, okay, uh, they sign a publisher that signs with you only for distribution if you bring in investment from the outside sources. You would agree with me, I think, that it's, if it's okay, that it's, it could be okay if the publisher is like, okay, I give you one million and I publish it for you if you find another million somewhere else. That's something that's worth considering, right? I mean, yeah, so it, when, you've still got to make sure that you've got that other million coming in somewhere. And of course. Truthfully, a publisher is not going to commit a hundred, you know, a million or whatever it is to it until they know that there's another million, because otherwise they could be sinking a million dollars in milestones into something that's only going to get half done or it's not going to get done you know, mm -hmm. at all. So typically they're going to want to make sure that they know that that other, you, you see it a lot with government. No, 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 of course you want a letter of intent from them, but you can sometimes use that to, to basically find a project investor or something like that to, to find a, the other million. If it's a publisher that might be a perfect fit for your game, but simply doesn't have the, the, the budget to, to make it work, then that might be uh, worth considering. Of course, I would prioritize finding a deal that's basically all in one, but yes. it, it, it could be an option if you have a hard time finding one. I had another question in there, but somewhere in the coffee, I, I lost that one. So, um, all right. So from Facebook, hi, I'm from Cape Town, South Africa. Game events and conferences are pretty rare, as well as getting a hold of developers and publishers, as most events are hosted overseas. And like Jay mentioned, it's quite expensive. Is there a reason for that? <clears throat> Greed. <clears throat> All right, sorry. Um, Klaus, you can answer that question. You can, I can answer that. Uh, so can, can you keep the question on screen somehow? Because it was quite a long question. So <laughs> it's, um... Indie game business 
has one of the longest running digital event series in the gaming industry with hundreds of publishers, investors, developers, and tech companies to meet with. All the sessions are always free to watch forever and you can get a free pass to receive all the slide decks from all the speakers. The tickets for meetings start just at $50. Go to IndieGame.Business and use the code IGBPODCAST to get 20% off your ticket. Yeah, I, well, basically, I would say uh, it, there's a reason for it being expensive to go overseas. Yes, of course, because it's quite, it's traveling a long time. But I think the 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 African uh, games industry is just not that developed yet. Uh, maybe it's a little bit more on the mobile side of things, but especially in the PC console parts, it's it's very very limited. And it's also the other way around. So a lot of the big publishers are actually in uh, Europe, are in Asia, are in um, North America. So there is, it's very hard to host like a big event in Africa and let everyone go to Africa, I would say. Uh, I think this is an, a, a question my boss from Me to Match could answer really well. But but I, I feel like there's just at the moment still like a misfit between where the, the, the people with money are and uh, where the big uh, companies making games are and, and where current new talent is being developed in Africa and, and hopefully that grows into something bigger, but that will take a lot of time, but it's still, yeah, it's, it's emerging. I would say I see, a, 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 especially in the mobile side, I see more over in, in the past, like one year, uh, but it's, it's, yeah, it takes time, I would say. And the other thing to keep in mind is that's exactly why we do the indie game business conferences. So exactly. one, check that out. And two, if you've got a game to pitch, I mean, our passes for the meeting system at, at the Indie Game Business ones are only 50 bucks. But if you have a game to pitch and that's even that 50 bucks is outside of, of your range, that's perfectly fine. Send me a DM, send me an email. I'll give you a free pass. You know, as long as you've got, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to do the meetings until you've got a game ready to be evaluated by these publishers. But if you do, just, yeah, I'll, I'll hook you up with a free pass because, you know, companies in your position are exactly why we still do the online events because we know not everybody can make it to gdc or gamescom or e3 or whatever it may be yeah yeah it's a, it's unfortunate for those people that uh, i would say is that there was a time when there uh it's still there somewhat but that there was like a gdc online part and a offline part but it's just we we noticed the last two years that the, those two things don't very connect very well with each other which makes sense if you are at a big conference you don't have the time to pick your laptop to pick up your laptop and, and open a meeting and do the meeting online but it might still be a good idea to somehow figure out who is there to then later reach out to them to fi figure out if you can have a call with them after the event. So um, it might be worth looking into who is heading to GDC to not meet them there, but to meet them later uh, at the time when they have still uh, have some time and did their follow-up activities for the big event or uh, something like that. But especially the online events are, I, I would agree, uh, Jay, a great place to be uh, when you're starting out in a strange region. Strange. And, Strange is not the right word. A, a hard region to be in. The which actually made me think of something. When you're doing, when you're reaching out to publishers, especially at a conference like Gamescom or GDC, where it's going mm. to be so competitive for everybody's time. Yeah. One thing that I always do is I put my regular Calendly link in the invite. It's like, look, if you haven't got time to meet at GDC, just pick a time here and we'll meet outside of the conference or before the conference or whatever. Um, mm. But it goes back into what Klaus was saying earlier about making it easy for everyone. Um, 
All right. So question from Jacob on LinkedIn. How granular would you want details for marketing for an agreement? Would it be a general budget or broken down? What happens if they don't get a return? Should you be wary of being hit with debt if the campaign didn't take off? I think this is better for you to answer, Jay. <laughs> okay. All right. So uh, how granular do you want it? You want it as, as granular as possible, but the reality is things are going to change. You know, social media may change or a trend may hit somewhere. So don't make it so absolutely 100% concrete that you actually get locked into a marketing plan that is just going to be doomed from the get-go at the beginning. Um, but yeah, you do want to see as much as much detail as possible. You don't want to say, you know, a bad version would be like, hey, so we're going to do some tweets and we're going to post a press release and then we're going to do some additional social media videos. That tells you all nothing. I think you can compare it to your own development schedule, right? Before a publisher will actually invest in your your project, by that time you will have to be you have to work out your whole development timeline with all your milestones and all your details about when you're going to do what and when will it be delivered and what do you need at what time. I think you can expect the same from from the publisher. Uh, you should expect the same from the publisher. Yeah, exactly. You know, if, yeah. if you're if you've got all this detail laid out, they should have something similar. Yeah. Um, so what happens if they don't get a return? Should you be wearing a hit with debt? No, you will not get hit with debt. Any contract that you get from a publisher that says, if it doesn't work out, they're going to, you're going to be in debt to them is horseshit. And you should not sign that contract. The general rule is, and this is where, you know, I always recommend everybody starting. So if you have put in half a million dollars into development and make sure you are counting sweat equity at a, reasonable rate for yourself. Don't go into it saying, oh, well, we've only invested $3,000 over the last two years in development because we had to pay somebody to do music or art or some random other thing. No, 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 no. All your hours all the way through. That's your development budget. Look at your development budget. Look at how much money they are committing both internally and externally to doing marketing, community management, and all that sort of stuff. And then the that 50-50 or 60-40 or 70-30 or whatever it is starts at that point. Who's got how much invested? That's where you need to get started. But no, you will. I haven't seen a contract in decades that would put the developer in debt. Although I did see them in well, the, like. Well, you have those kind of uh, sort of publishers basically that provide you uh, uh, user acquisition money uh, upfront. I would say um, those kind of take your equity in your company or stuff like that. So the, it, yeah, but it I mean, might... they're still mm -hmm. given money. I mean, that mm -hmm. user equity money is still money. But at the same time, if you're we're doing a mobile game and you've got somebody coming to you and saying, hey, we're going to give you user acquisition money, but you don't know what to do with that money. That yeah. money is not worth a whole lot. You no, know, that's true. That's true. You, you've got to have somebody that knows you know, what they're doing on that side. But no, you should never get hit with debt because the game didn't take off. You know, the publisher needs to be taking the same amount of risk on it you are. Um, if you ever encounter a contract that says you will take that debt, toss it in the trash immediately and don't work with that publisher. Um, but other than that, yeah, you want to get as much detail as possible, but you don't want to, you know, completely lock down something that may need to change or, or may evolve depending on how much development time you got left. It happens with every plan, right? It's always, you, you start with a plan and, and things change from the get-go. But, but 
Everybody's got a plan to be punched in the mouth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. So you have decided which publishers that you're going to meet with at GDC. You have mm -hmm. emailed them. You have messaged them or however, and you've got meetings set up. What do you need to do to start preparing for these meetings? Well, I would say, uh, first of all, figure out who, who you're speaking with. So um, basically check what they have made in the past, especially what they've made in recent times to figure out if there's a way to basically tell them, okay, you, you've made this in the past. This is why my game fits in there perfectly. Also, it's a good way to break the ice as soon as you start the conversation. If you have done some reaches on the person you're speaking with or on the company you're speaking with, it's a great place to start and break the ice a bit and, and get the conversation going. Um, but also uh, afterwards, I would say be prepared to tell what you need to tell in about 50 minutes time, because assume that, especially when you go to a big conference, assume that they will or you will be five minutes late because you have to walk from one place to the other. So that also means that sometimes people will leave five minutes ahead of the end of the event because they want to walk five minutes to the other thing. Then you have five minutes of ice breaking or something like that. And then there's 50 minutes left to basically do the pitching, but not only the pitching, but also to ask them your questions that you might have for them so uh there's very little time so i think the most important part for you it's is to remember is that the goal for an event is not to sell them your game at the stage it's to sell them the idea that they basically want to be very excited to receive more information from you as soon as they are back from the conference and share it internally with their team to talk about it that's what you're trying to sell here and not your game or sign a sign a deal you will i think uh you, you will agree with me, Jay, that almost never a, a deal gets signed at a conference itself. It almost always happens later on. I had it, one done. You had in one. 20, in right. 25 years, I've had one happen. Yes. So I would say the, the most important part about uh, the meeting, the, the most important part that must be in there is show them why your game is fun. Show them uh, what the personality slash uniqueness of your game is all about. So they understand, okay, this is something different than it's already there. And be sure to to tell them what you need why you are talking with them and ask them any questions that you really need to be answered at this stage but that's about that's about it that that's everything that's important you want to make sure they leave excited you want to make sure that if you run into them again that they still know oh that was that guy i met earlier today they had a, an amazing game and everything you tell on top of that is like a bonus um but that's like the, the bare minimum i would say uh, so it, it's actually quite easy but of course if you have more time if you have a very structured pitch deck go over all kinds of things and go in more in depth tell them about the whole development budget you need and why you need certain amounts tell them about the market analysis you have done and why you think it's a great fit in, in the market there and why you are s doing certain things great that others done as well but also why you are doing a something great that they haven't done yet so Tell them all kinds of uh, basic things that should be in a pitch deck. We can go more in depth in that if you want, but but I, I would say the most important part is make them excited. Make sure they leave excited. Make sure they remember you as soon as they see your email when they're back from the conference. And yeah, that's about it. And keep in mind, you're going to have to send everything to them after the show anyway. Mm -hmm. And so yeah. because it's just reality when you're seeing this many games in a row at conferences, you're not going to remember everything off the top of my head. I mean, I literally sit in green light meetings every Monday and Definitely. The, one of our team pops a game up and I'm like, Hey, I remember seeing that. It's like, I don't remember where I saw it, but I do remember seeing it and you know, something about it. So you don't necessarily, especially if you are short on time, have yeah. to go through all your pitch decks 
one at a time. I mean, all your slides and all that sort of stuff. You're gonna have to send it all to them anyway. And so, sometimes it happens that you that you fix somehow have the time to go to everything and and. But, well, yeah, if you do, but yeah, you yeah, don't don't count on it. Mm -hmm. But but I would say it's it might be a good sign that you had like you didn't have the time for it because you probably spent some time with not basically talking about the whole pitch deck, but you stopped for a while at a certain place in the pitch, or you talked for about the trailer you might have shared. That probably means they had some very interesting questions and they really were intrigued by what you were telling at that point. So that's why it's important that you start with everything that's most important and then end with anything that might be less important. And and I think the most important part, and maybe the difference in your pitch deck that you go to a conference with and the one that you send over later is that the most important parts get taken care of first. And then you, if there's time left, you can go into other things. And if yes. they, and I would say, be sure that you still have that other information ready, readily available. Be sure that you might have any detailed documents that you wanted to talk with them about it uh, in the background opened that if they ask a question that specifically goes into that, that you can quickly open it. But you also have to assume that there might be a chance that internet is not there, that you don't have any power anymore. So also be prepared for that kind of case. Um, so basically be prepared to tell them in any way that you have something very exciting they should remember and that they want to learn more about as soon as they come home. Uh, I think that's yeah, do not start a meeting when we only have like 15 or 20 minutes at a conference mm -hmm. with a, you know, 18 slide deck about every single piece of concept art and individual oh, no. at your company. Share them the game. And, yeah. and you're uh, first, like Plus said, you want to make sure that they're excited and they leave excited. But two, make sure you make a personal impression because that's going to make so much more difference down the road. Um, I think yeah, that's something that, that's hard to that, do that in online meetings. Works. All right. So what, was my, what was my next question? Um, okay. So, what to do? And we covered this a little bit mm. with what to do and what to expect during the meeting. But just to give a, a sense of, some of the random things that you may not be prepared for, but you've seen in meetings. What are some of the situations that you might need to be aware of? Um, well, I think the ones that are covered with, well, give me an example is that I, I, I noticed that someone was pitching with like a big uh, Alienware double power plug uh, laptop and they were walking around with it and they wanted to show the build to everyone because they really had one of those games that you need to play to understand. But uh, you can't do that if you end up in a meeting room without any plugs in the wall. So that, be prepared to, to for those kind of situations that even if you can't show them what you wanted to show, that you at least have something prepared. Even if it's like bring a spare tablet with you with, with a video, with a trailer on it that shows gameplay. Um, uh, what are other things that might be... Uh, maybe fill me in, Jay, if you have something that comes to mind. Uh, be ready to justify your budget. Yeah, you know, th there's a lot of times that we'll sit there and somebody will say, well, "This is how much we need, and this is how long it's going to take," and it's like mm -hmm. mentally just napkin math that doesn't add up. Yeah. Um. So be ready to justify it if it's on the high side. Be ready to justify it if it's on the low side. So the um the other thing is is keep your keep your pitch tuned to who you're pitching to. It's like I had a developer at Gamescom last year who was apparently very used to pitching to investors. And so the first three or four slides were information about the market size of mobile games in, you know, and I'm like, I already know this, that yeah, we, yeah. we don't need to cover this. So, you know, investor meetings and publisher meetings are not exactly the same. So make sure that you've got what you want to talk about tuned into 
you know, that particular thing. And also be ready if the publisher just says, okay, look, I've got like five minutes, show me the cool stuff. Make it easy and however you've got your setup for the pitch to get to that stuff because it's like I've been in meetings where, you know, even if we had half an hour sometimes, the developer wants to show me the build, but in order to do that, they have to get on a multiplayer server and coordinate with the developers back at their office. And you spend 10 minutes just trying mm -hmm. to get online and trying to get everything set up. Not that's not what you want to do. You can show all that stuff later. Go and make sure that you're you've got all your stuff ready to make an impression to get them excited. But be absolutely ready for, you know, we only have five minutes because this person got here 10 minutes late and they have to go 10 minutes early. There's a lot of variation in what can happen. So it comes down to to really being ready for as, as much randomness as possible. Yeah, I just have backups, basically. So it, it, I also saw great meetings that you are describing in, in that regard to Jay, that basically the people that had a whole pitch deck prepared, but in the end, the publisher just said to me, okay, just show me your, show me your build. And then we played the game for half an hour. And, and that was great. That was a great impression made. They said, okay, I don't need all the details right now. It was a great, great game to see, share me everything later on. And then we'll dive deeper into this later on over a call. So be also be prepared for what they might ask from you at the beginning. They might say, I, I prefer to be pitched this way. Uh, so be prepared for that. And and I would say, uh, think about questions uh, up front that they might ask to you. So uh, the most important questions, I would say, you already mentioned the one uh, re related to the budget, uh, Jay, um, to be sure to that you can tell talk about, okay, why do you need this amount? But also think about, uh, uh, let's say your game isn't like a full vertical slice yet. Uh, the questions I often see the most are questions related to that. So basically, you are currently at a some form of playable, you want to move to a certain vertical slice, expect questions on basically every subject that's not full vertical slice yet in your eyes. Uh, but also use outside help for that if you feel like, okay, maybe I'm not objectively looking at this right now. Ask a colleague, ask a friend, ask someone that's might a bit more objective than, than a close friend, ask them what they would ask. Uh, if they would be a publisher and, and we'll be looking at your pitch deck. So basically prepare ahead of time what others might be asking during the pitch, uh, pitch session, I would say. And, uh, and so, yeah, to give you a little more clarity. So if, if you're meeting with a publisher, the questions that you need to absolutely be ready for are what platform is the game on? What genre? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What does it compare to? And don't say some AAA game. If you're making mm. a 3D action adventure, don't say, "Hey, it's like it's you know we're going to do sales like Zelda," because you're not. Um, pick comparable games. So, what platforms you're on? What genres? What are comparable games? What's your budget? What's your release date? Those are the five main things that you need to be able to articulate pretty quickly. Because in the publisher's mind, they're just going through and they're hitting check boxes. It's like, okay, this game is going to come out in Q2 2024, but we already have a full slate for early 2024, so this is not going to be a priority for me. Um, that's the main stuff that you want to hit and be ready for. Yeah, I I, I, I kind of disagree on one part, though, and that's the uh, don't estimate yourself with AAA titles or well, big hits or something like that. You can do that, I would say, if you use it in a smart way where you basically say, okay, I compare myself with this aspect of this specific yeah. hit. 
but I'm different in this specific aspect. Or I combine this aspect from this game, from that game, from that game, and I add my own flavor to it through this or that mechanic or what, whatever that might be. Yeah, but as soon that. as you move into... Yeah, yeah. If you, I wanted to be sure that, that, that everyone understood that. As soon as you move into estimation, sales, stuff like that, please leave them out and only use comparable titles. Not only in terms of... Uh, amount of sales you realistically can expect, but but basically also use studio size. If you can f figure it out, use the studio side that, that that worked on it. Use the uh, the similar type of budget that was used to make it. Uh, but you can then use maybe like a first pool of comparable titles, but you can also take some outside things to make like a secondary comparable title list of of, of a, a certain game that might be. Uh, I don't know, ver uh, somewhat different from yours, but very similar in team to use that as to describe what kind of audience is also out there as like a secondary audience. That, that That's something you can use. But yeah, like you mentioned, Jay, don't use them when you, uh, the big titles, the big hits, don't use them to create expectations because that's they, they won't believe you anyway. All right. I can't believe we've only got like five minutes left. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> all right. If you've got any more questions, and I know Dan's got one from Discord, pop them into chat real quick and so we'll get them answered because you know as you can see from behind class it's like late at night and yeah yeah but it's okay it's okay he I still have his beauty sleep in so um <laughs> <laughs> all right so this is the discord so, with regards to microsoft and game pass are those deals about counting the development budget are there any tips for them as a publisher or do all the deals with microsoft and game pass usually go through another publisher and not with them directly I would say both happen, uh, but what we noticed in the past most of the time is that you uh, basically talk with a publisher that they, before they sign a deal with you, that they uh, going to talk with your game and might some might uh, with some other games they're trying to sign as well. They go to Microsoft, hey, can we figure something out? Can you do a partial investment and we do the, do the rest? But um, I would say there are also programs that that uh, Microsoft can invest in you directly. But you know more about that, maybe uh, Jay. So it, it basically it happens both ways. Yeah. You know, a, all the publishers that do console games are talking to Microsoft and Sony and Nintendo about doing things and, and getting on Game Pass. But you don't have to have a publisher to go in and go to Game Pass. You can talk directly to Microsoft's um, Game Pass team about that and it's quite a hard uh, funnel to go into i would say it's not a they're very impersonal it's even for us it might be hard to to figure out the right person to reach out to sometimes they are a bit more responsive sometimes they will refer you to a, some sort of form of general form or link or whatever you have to fill in it's it's uh, not the easiest i would say it, but go ahead go ahead it, it's harder they're harder to get a hold of than like a regular publisher, but they're easier to get a hold of than Nintendo. So, mm. you know, there, there's that for you. Um, it also depends on your personal connections, of course. Yeah, you might sure. know someone. And all, in all honesty, it's somebody that you could, on occasion, you know, you can accidentally run into to, at GDC as some sort of event too. So, um, but it happens both ways. You don't, a publisher can get you into Game Pass and they've probably got a better chance of doing it because it's the same way that, you know, agents and, and publishers look at games coming from scouts and consultants that they know it's been triaged. Game, Microsoft's the same way. They know if X publisher is picking this up, then it's at least worth looking at. Um, with regards to the budgets that they do, Game Pass is going to do their budgets based on estimated revenue that they think you'll see, not necessarily funding the development. 
in an ideal world, the development is going to, or whatever that budget they have is, is going to exceed your development. So you do have to go in realizing that, you know, they're not going to come in and, and just flat out fund your game. Uh, I mean, well, I say it can't, it's going to have to be a one in a million chance, but yes, mm. you know, they would do it. Um, they're going to be more focused on, okay, how much revenue is this going to bring us? And then they're going to make an offer based on that. For what it's worth, the teams that I have talked to, at least early on, I know it's getting a little, they're, they're a little less, you know, free with the money these days than they were when Game Pass first started. But Overall, it seems to be a good investment for developers if they're if they get on Game Pass. Um, all right. Do you think that will so, change with the recent news? Uh, next one from Jacob. When you're talking about budgets, should you include marketing and user acquisition when looking for publishers, or keep it development focused? Sorry, I tried to ask you a question, but now. Oh uh, well, my thing did that. Screen. All right, ask your question. <laughs> yeah, again. yeah, Sorry, yeah. So I no, I wanted to ask you about the Game Pass. Do you think anything will change in that regard now the news is out about uh, about uh, the Game Pass not making well cannibalizing other sales kind of things that that was recently announced? What do you think that changes anything? That it, it may temper a little bit from publishers, but the reality is that's not news to anyone who was already on the publishing side looking at Game Pass because they see that data too. Mm. Um, I mean, it would be extremely naive of someone to think that it doesn't cannibalize game sales in some way, yeah. shape or form. Um, but at the same time, at least, you know, a year, if recently as a year, year and a half ago, there were several, you know, publishers and developers that came out and said, that their games actually made way more money than they had projected it would because it was on Game Pass as you know, a featured title for a little while. Because keep in mind, everything on Game Pass isn't there permanently. So it's very no. possible that someone signs on and you know people still want to keep playing it after it goes off Game Pass. So yeah, even I, me, there are a lot of games I played because of Game Pass. So. Oh yeah, same here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, and there's some that I've gone on and bought additional content for afterwards, too. Mm. So, I mean, yeah, it's going to cool down a little bit. But the reality, you know, that's that's not necessarily news to anyone who was already publishing or had a game on Game Pass. So I don't think it's going to make that big a deal. All right. I saw we had a question from Jacob. It was about, uh, yeah. Did right. you already say it? Go ahead. So when you're talking about budget, should you include marketing and user acquisition when you're looking for publishers or keep the budget development focused? Well, I would say um, the budget specifically, keep it out uh, at, at always. So basically the, the, the publisher is the one that's actually figuring out how much money needs to go to marketing and user acquisition. Uh, if you really want to say something about it, that's okay. But when you're talking about where you're basically displaying somewhere, I'm looking for this amount of money, I'm fill, filling in a profile where you have to fill in a budget range or whatsoever, you're talking about development budget only. So focus on that, focus on that alone unless you have spare time and have some really great ideas on how you want to market your game, you might are able to provide some insights in how you would market things or what avenues you see uh, out there, but don't work out the whole marketing budget plan because that's their job. And that's why you need them partially as well. Uh, so don't put it in there, I would say. Exactly. I agree. hundred percent. All right. So Klaus, any last minute tips on things to do or not to do in a meeting as well mm -hmm. as, you know, real quick, how you follow up after the meeting? What do you do after the conference? 
Well, um, so first one before, I would say when you reach out to a publisher, be sure to also make that part as easy as possible. Include some of the most important information. There are numerous times that I basically had a time where people reach out with, hey, do you want to meet here or there? And then they don't include any specific information. Be sure to already include at least like a short video and all the necessary information. Uh, and then I would say, as soon as you start following up, make things again as easy as possible. Don't worry about following up during the week itself already. They won't look at it anyway. So don't go in your hotel room at night during GDC or something like that, where you're already sending all the follow-ups from during the day. Unless you really like doing so, you can. But I would say wait until after the weekend and send everything then. Um, what is more that to say? Basically, when you are at GDC, be sure to go to parties in the in the evening. Uh, not because partying is fun, but because there are a lot of interesting people out there, either to learn from or publishers that you might didn't have the chance to meet during the day. It might be the right opportunity to talk with someone during the day, meet them again in the evening, and have a beer with them, establish that connection, and make sure that that is the reason they will remember you when you reach out in the week after. Um, is there anything else I can share? Uh, you don't have to have a beer. Don't feel obligated to have a beer. You don't have to have a beer. That's just the way we say it, right? Have a beer together. But it can be a tea. It can be a, a glass of water. It's all fine. Um, there's no pressure there. But it's just uh, drink something with them or have have something to eat or stand next to each other and have a laugh. It's all fine. <laughs> Especially it, I mean, if, at the yeah. end of the day, this industry is 90% run by relationships. And so yeah. just hanging yeah. out, it's like... Uh, Last year at GDC, the day before it started, I went to a Frisbee golf tournament that one of the developers hosted. It was awesome. I actually ran into one of my old clients while I was there. I mean, mm -hmm. it's all about, you know, making yourself rememberable, building that little bit of relationship. Because when a publisher is seeing three, 4,000 games a, a year, if two of them come through their, through their system and they're like neck and neck on which one to, you know, choose but they know you or remember you you're going to get the nod so it, it's it, it's as much about building a relationship with somebody as it is about pitching every single little aspect of your game definitely so uh i i, I a couple of short ones i would say still so basically start er as early as possible especially for gdc uh probably you need to be uh, have been started like a month ago already or maybe even longer um people's schedules fill up very fast for these bigger events so be sure to to start reaching out if you can like two months ahead maybe longer um i would say if the schedules allow it schedule your high priority targets in like the middle of the conference this way you can basically practice on the on the, the ones that weren't your highest priority but you are also still fresh and they are still fresh enough because they're in the middle instead of the end that you get their full attention as well um and then is there anything else I felt like I was one more thing I wanted to say just now. Don't send me a GDC invite two months before the show because my brain ain't even at GDC. Yeah, no. The show. Be on their but, radar. I mean, you're not wrong because Be it on does. Their radar. People, I started getting yeah. GDC questions like the first of January, the minute we were back mm. from the holidays. And I'm like, no, 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 no. We're yeah. not doing this yet. It's just like, I just refuse. Um, <laughs> and then plus, we have our conference coming up in between now and GDC. Yeah. So it's like GDC is not even going to get my full attention until after our event. Mm -hmm. um, but yes. Oh, one more thing. One more thing. And that's one all about uh, be sure that you are easily findable because uh, either 
you might not have a ch chance to meet someone at GDC or a different conference because maybe that person that wanted to meet with you didn't attend after all. Be sure that you are easily findable. Uh, uh, the number of times I had a game as a scout or as a, from the other perspective that I wanted to reach out to to figure out if that might be interesting to work with or for a client or whatsoever, that I couldn't find anyone at all. No way in, no company name or no email anywhere, no LinkedIn profile, no Twitter whatsoever, or not an open DM option or whatsoever. Be sure that you are easily reached out to and easily findable. That's very important, I would say. So that's and, one more thing. If a publisher does reach out to you, for God's sakes, at least, you know, acknowledge it and follow up. That's the thing yeah. that drives us nuts. It's like, hey, we're <laughs> looking for a publisher and we reach out and it's like, hey, yeah. we can, we have one or we can help you. And then it's like crickets. It's like, no. Uh -uh. Put your email in your social media's profile. Yeah. Um, oh my gosh. Content creators do that too. It's like, how are you gonna how are you gonna get the sponsor if you, no one can reach out to you and you got everything closed so nobody can message you? Oh <laughs> all right, Klaus. This is your chance. What do you want to plug? Plug your pluggable. What I want to plug is that we are still looking to well, basically work with more people. So if anyone out there in the market is looking for like that external colleague that might can do the legwork for them, that might provide some expertise, some network and some, I would say brand, recognizable brand that can reach out for you, may bring you on top of the pile instead of ending up in the middle. Um, we might be the right person to help you out. We are mostly working in the, the games with a budget range between 250K and like five to 10 million. Uh, PC console premium focused, but if there's anything outside of that or close to that, feel free to reach out anyways and uh, to see if there might be any fit there. And uh, let's pick up the conversation. Happy to happy to talk. All right, thank you, Dan. All right, thanks so much, Klaus. Do, do your thing. Yes, thank you, Tripwire Presents for sponsoring us. You're amazing. Make sure and if you're watching this and you just missed part of it. All these videos are on YouTube. You can just go through the LinkedIn. There's they're up there permanently. So make sure and check that out. Um, and make sure and jump in the Discord. That's super important. Discord.gg slash indie game business. And we'll we're excited because the indie game business conference is coming up at the beginning of May. So indiegame.business, you, you can check it out. You can see the speakers. You can you can even put in an application to be a speaker. So yes, thank you we guys. Pay our speakers. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Your time is valuable. We pay you. Thanks to our friends at Tripwire Presents. Yeah. Amazing. Thank you. All right. Awesome. So we will be back next week. Hold on. Let me see if I can quickly figure out what we got going on next week. We have. Celia Hodit coming up. I might have mispronounced her name. Um, but yeah, go to the website. We'll get you all the info on what we're going to be talking about. Grab a ticket to our event. If you can't afford a ticket, DM me, email me, and I'll get you one. Uh, and with that, Klaus, thank you very much. Thank I will you, see Jay. you in uh, San Francisco, and you will probably get me sick. So Yeah, um, yeah most likely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all righty. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Indie Game Business. You can learn more about the show and our online business networking events at indiegame.business.